always tried to write the sort of story that I myself would enjoy reading, a story that would interest me while I'm writing it, as I'm waiting to find out what happens next. I can't know what other people think, but I can know what I think, and I feel I'm not that unusual. If there's a type of story I like, there must be lots of people who like the same type of stories. If I do get spanned, if I don't, so sometimes I will and sometimes I won't. Well, mad, stay crack a 40 down the back, sit fat and relax and plan my attack. Not the one that tests, I possess mad finesse. My boot, I was blessed, one bird in the nest. Chills with my peeps, steady bouncing in jeeps on the New York street, hitting urban concrete. I'm the man, untestable, with the extraterrestrial flow. 456 ELO, pop the top on the 40 ounce bottle. I'm not the one to follow, I'm not the role model. Hollow in my clips, money gripping my clock only spits when I react to the bullshit. So give me room to breathe and get up off these and save the confessions for Jesus. Plus, I don't need to hear no sorrow. F it, the sun will still come out tomorrow. Long as I'm breathing, needing, even like Steven, achieving, getting some cheesing, representing lovely. Boogie down Bronx Major with the project flavor. I'm major, Deja. My behavior is mad hell if you're front. You know what I want. Fat beats for my rhymes, mad clicks for my nines, a ill posse and my name up in lights and I and me. The Bronx, I think, was the last of the boroughs to get gentrified. You know, it, it just took a little bit longer than everywhere else, and it kind of done to seep itself in. Um, you started to hear about it really in the South Bronx, seeing it with Yankee Stadium, because that's one of the more premier locations, and people building up, and you had that whole issue with the real estate people building up the piano district just trying to bring in that gentrification to the Bronx that we were hoping would never get here because, you know, Brooklyn was the litmus test and we were like, we don't want it. We don't, we don't want that here. That shit could stay over there. It took, it, we didn't, we weren't like super affected, but finding, finding housing was when we moved back into the Bronx, when we moved back to Parkchester, it was, uh, you know, it was one of our only options. And then you leave and we go to South Jersey, you go anywhere pretty much out of the city and you, and you see what you get for what you pay for. It's just like, why do we accept, why do we accept what we're able to get? outside of new york city right like if you pay to live in new york city you pay to live in new york city but like you get all you get a lot out of it but when you pay to live in the boroughs you're what are you paying for what are you getting what are the amenities you're getting where things aren't being upkept the train isn't running the way you want it to that elevator is always broken there isn't anything to to do sometimes because your neighborhood is not part one of those neighborhoods that's getting lifted up and, and brought things in and it just feels like what what am i paying for what am I paying like $1,300 for? And obviously $1,300 for a one bedroom apartment is pennies compared to what people pay in, in the city, but that's what we were just able to do. And, and now here we're paying 14 something and that's with the dog payment and, and all the other stuff. We have our own entrance, no elevator and the amount of room we have. And yeah, we're, we're two hours away from the city, but it's, it's well worth it. And obviously with the pandemic hitting and things going back to reality or the way they were before, I don't know how that's going to happen. I find it squeamish to think of all the things we did before the pandemic that were so dirty. I don't want to do that again. I only went to the theater once or twice a year. And that was to see the Marvel movies, right? <laughs> That's it. I, 
I'm I'm good with home theater release. I got a nice TV. I got a sound bar. I'll have my people come over and I'll be good. Like there's just so many things we just t- we took for granted. Yeah, and I, I I feel like the realignment of priorities over the past year has been like super real. And it's like, and I feel like the you know the monetary aspect of it is definitely key. Where it's like, where's my money going to? But it's also just like, what are the surroundings I want to be in? Like, how do I want to spend my time? Like, there was just so much so much questioning about like. Your case is a is a good example of it where it's like you spent your whole life in the Bronx. Obviously you were planning on moving anyway, regardless of the pandemic, but it's like I don't know, it's like it's almost like a a jumping off point that a lot of people are able to tap into as far as being like, you know, I always wanted to do this, but like then this happened and like I realized that yeah, like I need to do this now, you know, like it, it that understanding and that realization I feel like has been key for a lot of people during this time. Yeah, definitely. And it's also like how we're raising our kids. You know, like you you want your kids to be street smart. Right. Like you want them to have that, to have that knowledge, but where are they going to learn that knowledge? Cause clearly like you can, you can tell them that stuff. Like you can always tell, I'll always tell the kids, always keep your head in a swivel, always look around, always know your surroundings, even if you have headphones on. And that's just because that's just how I grew up. I wasn't jumped or there wasn't anything that happened to me to get me to that point. It just was how you grew up in that environment. You always just were aware of everything. And then I see my kids running around without abandon, just running. And I'm like, Yo, man, there's a car there. There's people there. There's a lake. Like, dude, like, what are you doing? But it's just the environment we want to give them is they may not get that just because of what we're trying to provide for them. So like that, that toughness that New York gives you or any of the inner cities give you, it's hard to impart that just as straight knowledge versus kind of living with it. And it's one of those things where it's like, do you want to live in those, those cities and stuff to give that to your kids? Are you okay with them not having it, but having uh, something you, you, you didn't have. Yeah. Uh, And we're definitely okay with giving them something that we we didn't have. I I didn't have my own room until I was 14. And now my kids have their own room and my son's turning seven and my daughter's turning four. That's better than both me, me and Jackie. You know, we're hoping to buy a home soon. Like I didn't have a home. I didn't have a My parents didn't own a house until I was 14. We were in my grandparents' house. Sure. But, uh, and give them a yard and give them a dog. I didn't have a dog when I was growing up. So it's just trying to give them something and and just New York or any of the major cities, even, you know, LA or Seattle or or any of them, just so goddamn expensive. It's kind of just hard to, unless you're making, you know, uh, software engineer money or, or, or something else, like, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, And that's kind of what led me to do the grad school thing and get my MBA. Cause it's like, well, you know, if you can't, can't beat them, you got to join them and try to get that, that white collar white man money. So, you know, I got to do what I got to yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. And just so y'all know, I messed up my mute button. So whenever I thought I was unmuted, I was muted. And whenever I thought I was <laughs> muted, I thought I was unmuted. So I wanted you to know that I have been laughing at your jokes I have been <laughs> very engaged. Thank you, Savannah. I feel hurt. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But that that is such a... I'm sorry. Y'all are going to hear my nephew a little bit. It's just one of those New York apartment things. But um, but my brothers and I were talking about that, too, because like growing up like in high school, and I know that you said that you listened to the podcast episode that I was on, and I don't want to go too much into that, but... Like in high school, I shared a room with my brother and two of my sisters. Well, actually, my two sisters and one of my brothers, I guess I should say. And my brothers and I were talking just recently whenever I was back in Texas during the pandemic. I went back to Texas for a little bit. And we were talking about the parts that, that we're so grateful that we had growing up and really made us who we are and kind of created a, a toughness and a, and a resilience in us. 
but like, what do we want to give our kids, you know? And like, what's the difference that we want to give our kids between like what we had and how, what's like, what's that line? You know, how do we still give them the things that we loved, that we're grateful that we have that made us who we are, but still be able to give them the things that, that we didn't have. And like, how do we honor both things? And that's kind of a tricky line and I don't have any kids right now. So I guess it's easier for me to think about in the abstract, but for my brothers that do have kids, that's a real conversation that they're having with their partners and their significant others on how, like, you know, you want your kids to like be able to like run unabashedly through the streets and you want them to be able to do that, but you also want them to be cognizant of their surroundings and, and careful and all of those things. So anyway, I just think that was really interesting to me and how to, honor both things yeah yeah no it's definitely it's definitely hard it's a real it's a real struggle just trying to get through trying to get through life and get yourself to a point where you and your family and you don't you know have the the help yeah. that you know some other folks have yeah because you have you have like family and you have i've got my folks and all that other stuff but it's one of those where conservatives like to say yeah pulling yourself up by your bootstraps but you know i, I believe in i believe in that aspect to a point, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I believe that you should, you should work for what you get. I a hundred percent believe that, but I also, you know, either you acknowledge that you had help or acknowledge the fact that help fucking helps. Yes. And like, sometimes it shouldn't be that hard, you know, like sometimes it shouldn't be that goddamn hard to be able to do something like small, you know, and that help helps. Like you just said. Yeah. I also think a lot about, you know, and and I'm like Savannah, I don't have kids. So for me, it's easy to think about a lot of these things in the abstract. But even just like at my age growing older, like I feel like there's also something to be said about kids just generally aren't receptive to lessons. And like there is like a natural sort of anti thing, like like all the stereotypes about like teenagers, like, yeah, some of them are fake and like played up you know as as like jokes but at the same time there is a very real like kind of rebellious phase that you go through as a kid where it's like because a message comes from your parents you kind of push back against it and like you at the age that i am now i realize more and more like i'm learning lessons that if i had just listened to what my parents had said back then in some cases <laughs> it would have been yeah you know, i would have known it yeah but in, i mean in some cases i also like learned some things from them that i have to unlearn so like you know it's not like everything was flawless but at the same time you know, it's, I just think about that a lot where it's like, how do you communicate things that you yourself were once not necessarily ready to hear at a young yeah. age? And it's like when, when the when the table turns and now you're the person speaking to, you know, someone younger than you, whether it's your child or not, like even if it's just like, you know, serving a mentor role for a younger person, like mm-hmm. how do you communicate these things that people tried to communicate to you and you weren't receptive to? I mean, we tried just to put it all out there. Right. And it's one of those things where mm-hmm. you judge yourself on how successful you are yeah. and, and what you can do. So like, if I, if we know we're doing everything that we can and putting it out there, you know, and they're six and three, right. So like how much, oh. how much, how much are they really going to take? But like, as long as like, there's something happening there. And as long as we're still having those conversations and we're always, there's always a never ending yelling of stop running into the street, look both ways, <laughs> or, yeah. or you got to work or you got to do this. It's just, it doesn't, it's going to keep going until it doesn't need to keep going. Yeah. Right. He's not, cause he does all, these are all just things about growing up and social cues versus when you get older and you have a, a mentor or mentee, like at that point, it's kind of like, also you gotta, at one, at what point is it not the older person, the adult's fault 
and it's the the receiver's fault where it's just like you just are choosing now not to take this yeah. when you're going through angst in high school whatever right like you you, mm-hmm. you take it with a take it with a grain of salt and do whatever you want to hang out have your friends you pass your classes play sports have fun whatever um but you know the minute you sign that dotted line on that loan that no one tells you about mm-hmm. um, yeah you go and go into college and it's just kind of like that's when you take life by your hands and you got to take whatever advice you have and, and hopefully it's just there's something in there there's some nugget of info that you can keep, you know, and, and then to your point is I'm talking about like unlearning things or, or whatever. I think yeah. we try to be very open about what's going on in our world with the kids or just making sure things are very normalized. That's so no one, big. Like, yeah. Like no one really talked about, you know, LGBTQ culture in, in my house. It wasn't, no one, no one was against it. Like there wasn't any, any, there wasn't any of that. Like you kind of, but you, I've learned more about that through my experiences in college. Yeah. Like meeting people. Like I can say, I, had a personal relationship with my big brother in my fraternity. He's gay. And he was the first gay person that I had an actual connection with a friendship with. And so you, you, you have that and you, you have that and you start to realize that a lot of the stupid nonsense you would say when you were younger was like really hurtful and you grow and you, you get past you're like, all right, cool. Yeah. I don't do this anymore. But for us, what we're doing, everything is just normalized. We're not really talking about it, but so something that's been happening right now is that we watch modern family at dinner. Um, and my son loves the show. Like he really, he's really enjoying the show. And you know, you've got tel- uh, Eric Stonehart and, and Tyler just Ferguson, the partners yeah. and it's there. It's out in the open. We don't talk about it because all our son sees is just two people loving each other, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what it should be. We don't, there isn't a conversation of he's access about marrying and who loves each other. I'm like, yeah, well, sometimes a, a man and a woman get married or, or a woman, a woman or a man and a man. It doesn't matter. Once you find your person, you find your person. And even there was a, a story that, uh, John Oliver did. It was the, mm-hmm. the Marlon Bundo book to make fun yeah. of uh, Pence's book, Pence's bunny. Uh, <laughs> and he ended up doing a, he ended up making his bunny gay uh-huh. and they got married and it was just a kid's story. So we bought that and we've read that to them a couple times too. So it's just really about normalizing things. When the Capitol riots happened, they were watching it and they were asking us questions and, and stuff. So it's just, we're more open about stuff. We're more open about emotions now too. Like, yeah. Me, I'm not a very emotional person. I, it was one of those things where growing up, it was like, ah, boys don't cry, you look like a bitch, or it's yeah. a bit of weakness. And unfortunately, that's kind of stuck with me because I don't like to show emotion. But to him, I always tell him, like, you know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry about, like, it's okay to cry about, like, real or about real shit. Like, you want to cry because you don't want to do fucking work. I can't, I can't help you. Cause you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. Like I, I can't, that's not worth crying, but like for stuff that upsets you or it's like, a, you know, so I think, I think it's just one of those things of like, as we get older, we, we learn from the adults around us and yeah. take what we want to take and move it forward, but also take the things we wish we got when we were younger and bring it to the next, to our kids. And that's, I think that cycle continues because we're just getting, as we get older and we get more into what we call life and society, things change and some ideals don't take longer to change for folks than others. Yeah. I think that's effing amazing, Antonio. I I really do. But I live with my, I live with my nephew. He is 14 years old. Solomon, are you 14 years old? Yeah. Yeah. He's 14 years old. 14 years old. Wait, hold on. Quick time out because you just said his name and I feel like now is a perfect time to do a very quick pause (laughs) on this story and do some introductions for our listeners. Maybe I shouldn't have said his name. (laughs) <laughs> no not not your not his name antonio's name anyway yeah. what's up y'all welcome back to our communal podcast you free uh you got me on the line of zim 
You heard Savannah, who was on an earlier episode this season. And who are we joined by for today's call? Hey, everybody. I am Antonio. I'm one of uh, Azim's co-workers. I'm actually one of Azim and Savannah's co-workers. Yeah. Uh, so we've been working together. Uh, it's been a really cool, fun time. And Azim has been on our show. I'm um, part of a trio of podcasters known as the Nerds of the Round, where we talk all things nerd, pop culture, and, and fun. So, And we're definitely going to get into some of the Nerds of the Round stuff a little bit later on. But now we can hit the unpause button or the play button, as it's <laughs> more commonly known. I vote we just start calling it the unpause button. I really like that. <laughs> I really dig it. <laughs> But yeah, no, Antonio, I think that you're completely right there. Like I live with my nephew, he's 14 years old. And there are some things like exactly like you said, like I didn't learn until I got to college. Like I was homeschooled. I lived in Latin America. That was a really great experience. And there was a ton of things I'm super grateful that I was around and cultures that I was around. But there's also a ton of stuff that I was not around and it was not talked about. Or if it was talked about, it was talked about in a very specific way. But it wasn't until I got to college, like you were saying, that I was like, whoa. And I remember being in my first church service in college where they started talking about like LGBTQ stuff. And some bill was about to be passed in California. And mm-hmm. they were talking about it in, in this church service that I had driven down when I was at my parents' house. And the guy said, and this is a guy that I've known like since I was born, you know, and he said, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And I was standing, I was next to my parents and I stood up in the middle of the church service and I looked at them almost crying and they looked at me and my mom knew and I left. And that's the first time I've ever remember publicly defying my parents and they weren't the ones preaching, but I was like, you cannot endorse this. Like, this is not something that I can be a part of. I cannot even be in the same room where this is happening. And I had a conversation with my parents afterwards, and they were super, super receptive. And they were like, we're going to talk to him, and we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about, like, whatever. It was a really big conversation. But now that I'm living with my nephew, who's 14, and he's been able to live in Brooklyn and meet all these different people, and he also watches Modern Family, and he loves it. And I'm glad that you brought that up, because that was literally on in the house. Just, like, it's in the living room in the background on, like, 24-7. Yeah. Now that we're all at home. But he'll, like tell me things and I won't even respond to it. Like I, not that I won't respond to it, but I'll just be excited about it and just be like, yeah. And just like, we're having a normal conversation. But in the back of my mind, I'm so grateful and so thankful that he has had the opportunity to be around these things that it's just completely normal. There's not even a question in his mind. There's not even like a why, you know, it's just like, this is the way it is. And that's something that I'm so grateful for him that he gets to take on with him and carry on with him and that he doesn't have any of those things like I had where you're having to have these conversations with people and you're having to like have these like internal like questions and like think about things about that. You know, that's just like a given for him. That's real. Well, actually, watch me nail this transition right here. Uh, <laughs> but that <laughs> but that makes me think about, so so uh, Antonio, you mentioned Nerds of the Round, right? And, and I had the chance to hop on and talk to you guys. And then, you know, after our episode, we were just sort of chatting, generally speaking. And what I was telling you then, and I'll say again, you know, on this platform is that like, I, what I really love about Nerds of the Round amongst, you know, the fact that I too am also like love nerding out over the topics and, you know, the shows and whatnot that you talk about. But what I also love is that for me, what's really cool is when like you see 
or is, is when people have the opportunity to see people from communities that they themselves are not a part of or not that familiar with, yeah. um, not just see them, but actually see them just being like regular and like not carry, like not necessarily playing up that aspect of their identity. You know what I'm saying? Like someone yeah. who is someone is there and they are, you know, Latinx, for instance, but like that aspect of them, it's like, sure, it's there. Like, you know, you can see who they are, but at the same time, it's like, that has nothing to do with the conversation. We're just talking about, did you see the last episode of, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and whatnot? Like, just like, we're just having fun, really. Um, and I feel like those, that type of representation is really dope and really important to me. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about sort of how you guys ended up starting Nerds of the Round and getting into that space and, and even just your love of uh, comics and, you know, all things Marvel and whatnot in the first place. Cool. Jeez, that's a, that's a loaded question. I know, so yeah. loaded, right? Interpret it as your heart, you know, wants to interpret All right. it. <laughs> All right, so 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 check it. So I'll talk about the origin really quick, just to kind of get us everyone up to speed. Uh Sebastian, he started it. He started Nerds of the Round on a different YouTube channel, it's like more of a collective. And I was on it a couple times, like as a guest host or as a guest, but it was really like his show. Yeah. Um he eventually wanted to take it to its own channel, to its own thing. And I remember we were talking, we went to a art show, I think it was like pancakes and booze or paint. It was some, it was really cool. It was a really cool art show, indie art show. And it was by the, you got off the six train on Chinatown, like where that platform, where that tower, that tower of the elevator is. And there's like a McDonald's yeah. and shit. It yeah. was right by there. We went to that McDonald's and we were chatting and we talked about having the show. And I was like, dude, if you really want to do this, I will do this with you. I'll be your co-host. We got, I got you. So we ended up doing that. We did a couple episodes, just me and him. And we ended up having our friend law on as a guest host. And he just kind of was always showing up. So eventually he just became the official third host of nerds of the round. Mm -hmm. And at that point, uh, what we were still doing live shows, we would uh, have our friend, or people that we knew come on and just kind of talk about random topics and nerd culture or we would have creators of independent comics artists writers just anyone who's doing in like in the indie world come in and we would do it's our creator series where we just ask them to talk about themselves so we had uh, azim and eric on so that's like the gist of it now we do live shows and we're just kind of recapping things that we watch so right now uh winter soldier and falcon is now on so we're doing that and then we'll probably go through a long a long string of different varying topics up until loki starts in, in june that's kind of where we're at with this the show, right? I think I think that answers your question, Azim. The other yes, portion that was, a, that was a great, <laughs> real quick summary. Everyone's yes. up to speed now. <laughs> yes. Uh, to answer, to talk about the point you brought up about us being people of color, because it's literally just three Spanish dudes from the Bronx, right? Talking about nerd culture, it's just nerd culture. Also, if you it, when we when I was growing up, and because I know you, I'm, I'm slightly older than you guys. Um, it wasn't like as baked in to the culture as it is now. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I'm sure there was a, I'm sure you guys were part of that too, where like no one was really talking about that stuff. And so yeah. all of, all this stuff I was really into. So watching anime, doing video games uh, or all that stuff, like there was a, a very close, close knit group of people that knew about that, but everyone yeah. else really didn't. You kind of kept that internal and then eventually just became popular culture, pop culture. And it's been really great just to, to talk about it. But what's fascinating is that I've, talked with other nerds of color and they've had that same experience of not of it just being something you talk about in your close-knit group but yeah. most people acquaintances or people who kind of just know you like on the block or whatever don't know that about you and like you would be surprised how many 
hood dudes would be into like we're into like Dragon Ball Z or Naruto or or stuff, but they don't talk about it. Like no one talks yeah. about it, but they were watching it. Like my friend, a friend of mine, put in a really good, really good way of saying he's like, yeah, you go to the Bronx and you'll meet one guy who will rob you for your iPad. He'll take your girl, then he'll go back and talk anime with his boys, <laughs> all in one 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 day, right? Like yeah. he'll do that. Multiplicity, multiplicity. Yeah, like and you know, and I think I think it's a thing where uh, it takes. We try to just have a, a good time just talking about a culture that we really love and that we're really that we're really about. That's really an identifier for us. Yeah. Um, so without without bringing in any sort of narrative or any way of feeling like obviously there's stuff that comes up that we feel like we should talk about. So like this yeah. past episode of Winter Soldier and Falcon and, and how they're, they're dealing with John Walker and the portrayal that he's doing is very reminiscent of what the police brutality we've seen this past summer mm-hmm. and pretty much all our lives, right? Yeah. And using that to feed their story, not to push a narrative on you, but you automatically see it because we're living it versus, uh, I think someone put it in really good ways. Like we as adults seeing it, living it, see this and put the parallel immediately versus the kid who's watching and just thinks that's not Captain America. That's a dude killing the bad guy or not a bad guy or whatever. And we're able to talk about those mm-hmm. things and we don't feel you know, the one good thing is when you're a person of color, there's many good things about it. But one of the good things is when you talk about these things, you don't feel outside of your comfort zone. You don't feel like you're trying to preach something that you don't know about. And granted, there are things that I've never experienced with authorities or, or police or, or people. Uh, there was never a racist thing towards me, but I could still empathize with what people are going through and still have a conversation to talk about because there are things that I did go through that I feel more comfortable talking about. And we, we all have those instances. Like I know uh, Sebastian's had instances, Lawrence has had his instances and I've had my, and we've had our instances and we all feel comfortable talking about that. And I think that's one of the great things about, about our show. And I think anyone who comes onto our Mm -hmm. show, I think we're always open to have conversations with folks, whether it's about that type of stuff. If we want to, depending on the the show or getting into nerdism, we just like to have a good time. One of the things I hate, I hate gatekeeping. I think gatekeeping in pop culture is one of the worst things that people do saying, you know, not trying to figure out who's a big fan of this or they're not a real fan because of that. And it, and, it, and it tends, and unfortunately it tends to happen to, to a lot of women where you've got a bunch of fucking neck beards, like quizzing them on issues and <laughs> on like on comic book yeah. issues and all this other shit. And I'm like, yo dude, grow up, man. Like, yeah, if I was on the opposite end of that, I'd be like, man, this is cool. There are girls here versus you just trying to gatekeep, trying to keep something of yours that you were like, you feel a certain way. And now more people are coming yeah. into it and you, you, you just want to gatekeep. Like no one really wins. The whole point is, the more people who love your thing that means there's more people that you can talk to there's more people you have a, you have a commonality with right like don't you want to share joy <laughs> like yeah I, I love it when i find out and when i'm at work when there are people who are into the stuff i'm into like it doesn't make me like i don't talk about it but i notice it right like i knew like savannah i knew you were about that stuff i think you were having a conversation with someone i overheard it so we started talking about it at zim i think i overheard you talking about it and so it, it kind of helps I, I think all this pop culture this comic book and it just, it brings people together, comics and Star Wars and science fiction. And, and it doesn't matter because there are pieces that we all go into. Yeah. I've told Azim about some animes I've watched, but I also know like that's not his, his thing. Like I know there's other stuff he watches, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause we all yeah. have this thing that is being a nerd or being a geek that you're into, <laughs> yeah. but we can all just kind of find a common ground. And I think it makes people relatable, especially yeah. when, it, when it's genuine. Absolutely. Antonio. So I don't know if you know this about me. And I know that you know that I, I'm in just like some quote unquote nerdy stuff from mm-hmm. just conversations that we've had at work. But my first day of high school, like I had been homeschooled and then I went into a public high school, but like a really, really rural conservative public high school and like teeny tiny. Um, and my first day of school, I had eight 
Star Trek buttons buttoned on my backpack. Mm. As I didn't know that that wasn't cool. Like original, like kind of like the symbols. Like they didn't have like the like the cast on them, but yeah, like the symbols. Like yeah, oh, the Starfleet stuff. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And my first, like, I, I got. I remember getting back in my mom's car after the first day of school, and I was like, "Why didn't you tell me <laughs> that this was not cool? <laughs> like, I had no idea." And I know that, like, people say that in, like, rural cities that it, like, comes, like, 10 years later, Mm -hmm. the mainstream stuff. So what was mainstream in other cities was absolutely not mainstream at my school, you know? Mm. But it absolutely brought, like, a commonality. Like, I remember wearing, like, a Battlestar Galactica t-shirt and some guy coming up to me and being like, I love that band. And I was like, yes, this is definitely a cool indie band and not (laughs) (laughs) Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) And then, like, whenever you're talking about gatekeeping, that absolutely happens. Like, you know, like, you'll have, like, some guy that comes up to you and be like, oh, really? Like, what's your favorite season? What's your favorite episode? What's your favorite, like, whatever? Did you watch the original What the cast? Did you watch, like, whatever? Did you know, like, what the comic book, like, the differences between the comic book and, like, what happened? And, And I would usually have answers for them. But I was like, I don't want to answer this for you. You know, like, I don't have to explain to you what I like. You yeah. have to justify my interest prove to your, you. <laughs> prove yourself to some fucking random, like, dude. Like, Yeah, no. I was like, I was like, your, like, mustache is a little bit scary to me, to be quite honest. <laughs> and I don't want to have to prove myself to you. But I completely know what you're saying. And then whenever I would meet someone that had even... Like, not even the same interest, but, like, if it was, it all could overlap, I would be so stoked. I think that's how I knew what you liked, Antonio. I overheard a conversation that you were having with someone, and I just, like, jumped up from my desk and went over to you. I was like, oh, my goodness, do you like this, too? Let's (laughs) chat, bro. Yeah, 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 definitely. It was, it was, um... It was one of the things I really missed. So when I was between jobs, I was laid off for pretty much like five months. And yeah. I was, obviously I was bummed because I didn't have a job, but I had severance. So like we were so able to pay for bills. But like it was when Game of Thrones was like yeah. huge. Uh, this is before the final season came out. Yeah. And Which was I the, had... the time that Game of Thrones was huge. Because after the final <laughs> season, it was uh, not huge anymore. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's it. After that last episode, it just tanked. But one of the things I really missed um, was that when we got slack at my old job, I created a, a Game of Thrones channel and I was like known as like the Game of Thrones person because I've read the books and I have like all this stupid amount of knowledge for Westeros that I yeah. don't need. And obviously there are people who know more than me, but for my friend group, I was that guy. And I took that mantle with pride, right? Like I love, <laughs> yeah. I love being the guy that could answer all these questions. Although it was funny because at one point they hired a person who also knew all the stuff. And you were like, we need to fire him. <laughs> there can only be one of us well, in this okay. town. Well, I didn't feel like that. But it was one of those things where like, someone had asked a question and then they answered faster than I did. And I, was, I almost lost my shit in my head. <laughs> I remember I came home and I told Jackie about it. And she started laughing about it. I was like, someone knows more knows about Game of Thrones as I do? No, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. That's I know my worth me. here. But, you know, I left my, I left the job and, you know, we didn't get a chance. I started like in season four or five is when I started that channel. And I could not have the Monday morning reflection of the episode with that group of people, uh, which is something I really, I really missed. You know, it's, it's cool to find that, that little bit of, of commonality between your, your coworkers to make everyone seem, you know, human.
me up a little bit. Turn my mic up. Uh, new crypto, new regime, new team. We had to grow like Rita, Mighty Morphin. My power range, purple rain out to Boston. Sputnik the UK, we pureed the whole game without caution. The end game is less important than the chess match. Setting up your pawns to be kings. Now we coming out the LCD flat screens like the ring. And we ain't always have the top floor stack. We was not poor, but out poor. The rough pack sitting on the hot floor, wishing for stars and that. Set me forth in a spacecraft with a supernova eight track. Say goodbye to Krypton and everything I know lost in space. Like like an arm on a top gun, veteran, vanilla sky, heaven sent to make my home where Robinson broke my Caruso with quotes, new Krypton, folks. From a glass jar My pop said it's more than life Than just punching in your time card Free your mind from this old candor Lights, Nikon flash Through the red carpet interviews A new breed of picnies So they picked me to lead the victory And ever since Big made victory On nights like Genevieve's So many niggas wanna hate So many enemies And feel the full force of a lost tribe Of the old four guys Last son of How come we ain't taking over <laughs> The game's older But we the new kids on the block So that old cop Leave it with the other trash Here to clear the other trash Born to be the upper class If you ain't never asked this Rickton New regime Krypton Oh, 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 oh,